0: at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger.
1: Welcome listeners. We're so happy that you're joining us today, which is July 29th, 2015. My very special guest today is Diana T. Benson. She's an author of suspense novels, and usually they're related to some form of medical emergency situation. And that is going to be our topic today, is how to respond to medical emergencies. Diana, she's been an EMT and a HAZMAT and FEMA operative since 2005. She loves the adrenaline rush of responding to medical emergencies and helping people in need, often in the darkest time in their life. She also is an award-winning author of numerous books, and um one of her books is called Final Trimester and it's her second release and it is of special interest to me to find out what that's all about. So let me bring uh Diana onto our show now. Hi there, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Denise, thank you so much for having me. I always like to start my show out by asking my guest, how in the world did you get on the path? that you're on today? I think it would be really interesting to hear about it.
2: Well, um, with EMS, um, I was in high school when my my dad was killed in a bicycle accident. And um, that day, I was obviously devastated. But I also watched the EMS crew and firefighters that day. And they were really great with my mom and I. And just helping us deal with it as well as take care of my dad. And I thought, wow, I would love to do that someday. So that's kind of kind of spurred on that thinking. But I was a travel agent for 10 years and um, had three children, started writing books, and kind of never ended up getting into it until my early 30s. But I went to medic school, and that's how I got – well, I also write suspense, as you were mentioning – so suspense, obviously, and EMS very similar. You can kind of weave that right into the the fictional writing that I do. So it really ties in well. But it's interesting because EMS is so nonfiction, you know, the exact opposite of writing fiction. So they're very um, polar opposites, but they work very well together. So it's kind of a, a, a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, it it really it really does sound like it. Isn't mm-hmm. it? I just find it so interesting how people end up in careers and mm-hmm. uh, part of our show that's always particularly interesting to, to our listeners as well. Oh, well, absolutely. Your, was, Everyone has a story. Your, yeah, I know. It's part of a story, isn't it? So Good. was the hidden Sun your very first book? Yes. The hidden
2: Sun was. Yep. And, um, then followed by the final trimester, which is, um, the first book in a completely different series. And then Persephone's Fugitive released in March of this year, and it's the second book following the Hidden Sun. All my books mm-hmm. are standalones, so um, they don't. Basically, there's just characters that you see in each series. Okay. And you had mentioned Final Trimester, and that is the book that it opens up. Well, uh, Persephone's Fugitive does as well. Opens up mm-hmm. with an EMS scene. Um, so the main character is a paramedic, and it opens up with a, a an EMS scene, which is great because um a lot of times in, in T V and books and movies and they don't show they kind of just maybe not so much more any more days, but it's like kind of like the ambulance is just the ride to the airport, so to yeah. um, yes. Um but to be honest with you, when we get on scene for a cardiac arrest, um, we don't take the patient to the hospital. We work the whole cardiac arrest right there on scene, no matter where we are. And um sometimes that takes you know, we'll work at forty five minutes and we'll um insert eight different meds into the IV and we have an IV going wow. into
1: the shin. So
2: yeah, we have an I, a regular IV that everyone knows of and then um oscular insertion which is right into the shin. So that is a completely different type because it's a it's an IV that goes right into the bone and that's um mm. is more efficient for um working cardiac arrest. So we'll be pumping eight different meds, you know, three different rounds of that and doing the AED, doing chest compressions, um, using a bag valve mask, and we'll work it for 45 oh my minutes. Oh, um, Yeah, and so you don't see that. Obviously, you couldn't have that in a book or movie for 45 minutes anyway, you'd lose your view. Or no, um, no. <laughs> but but um, that, a lot of people really think... Interesting. It, yeah, you, a lot of people think, you know, we work it, and then we just throw them in the ambulance and take them to the hospital, and that is, that is not, <laughs> not, not, not the no. case. all. that's not <laughs> the case.
1: All. Throw them in it. the ambulance and let, the, it, right. let them take care yeah, of it we, at the hospital.
2: That's right. We are not a, a medical taxi, so to speak. Um, but uh, shows and books and movies are getting more accurate nowadays and kind of showing a little bit more of what we do, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not um Real accurate. And, and so I, I like to write that authenticity into my scenes, into my books, ah, and
1: show yeah and show
2: readers what it's really like.
1: Wow. So I have that
2: opening scene in Final Trimester and in First Stephanie, did it. I do have an EMS scene in The Hidden Sun as well, but it's um, uh-huh. further in the book. It's further along in the book. Okay. So the main character is not a...
1: Now, member. who are you employed by if you're an e- EMS crew member?
2: um e m s agencies it depends on the state, so um and every state is very different as a, <laughs> with so many other things that we have um but in North Carolina, that's where I live um the county, so it's each county that kind of has their own e m s oh well. um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and then the medical director over. is it full time or
1: or is it is it full time part time
2: i have always, always been part time in e m s just because writing's always been my full time job and I have three children. And that's my kids have always sure. been my main, my first main focus, absolutely. Um And Wonderful. then I was a travel agent, like I said. So yeah, but it's always been a part-time career. So to me, I am just amazed and so thankful for full-time EMS personnel because it's it's rough. It's a really, it's rough, rough career. Yeah, it would and, be. Um,
1: it yeah, a full-time job in it would be really tough. I don't know what the state it would power
2: be. is. Well, it's actually there's a higher turning rate, turnover rate in EMS than it is for law enforcement, um, which is mm-hmm. you know you're like mm-hmm. wow yeah so it just shows you the the sure. stress and all of that sure. yeah
1: absolutely So you don't stay long you know. so so would you be would you be sent out um, like if there was an earthquake or a flood that sort of situation? Hello. I think we lost contact with Diana. Well, let's see. Hopefully she'll call us back in a few moments. Um, Hello? If you're just... Oh, there you are. We lost contact with you. Hello?
2: (laughs) Hello? Can you hear me now?
1: Yeah. I can hear you now.
2: Okay. What was the last thing that was weird? We just cut out there for a second. Um, I know. I think... We were talking about, what what, what were you asking? What was the last thing you asked, and I'll continue from there. Oh, okay. Well,
1: who, in other words, are you sent out um, when there's an earthquake or a flood, that type of an emergency? Okay. Yes, um,
2: absolutely. Uh, EMS crews are sent on that as well, but also FEMA, and um, that's where my FEMA and HAZMAT um, credentials come into play. Because okay FEMA is, okay. yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah, FEMA is mm-hmm. obviously the national organization, so I'm, my credentials are with that, and so that's a separate. I mean, my county does have a crew, so I would be sent out through that.
1: Okay, so that's where your part-time work comes in. When when a a big emergency comes up, you know, it's bad weather or earthquakes or whatever.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. A,
1: FEMA, a FEMA sort of thing, like what happened yeah. in New Orleans. Right, kind of
2: exactly. That's exactly right. And I was actually on call um, to be deployed out for that. Um, but as you can mm-hmm. imagine, everybody wanted to help in that situation. So um, And the, the full-timers got deployed out first, so I didn't. But um, I'm trying to remember the name of the hurricane. Was it last year or the year before in New York City? Do you remember that? Um, I was mm. deployed out for that one. So I can't remember okay. the name of that one. There's been so many of them lately, right?
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's I mean, it's it's continuous. Mhm. What um in your in your novels that you write, um, do you have a main goal in mind when you're writing them, even though they are fiction? Yeah, oh
2: absolutely. I, I kinda think of that as I've got I've got kind of two goals, um, for there. It's really to honor EMS crews worldwide. Um, like I said, hmm. my EMS crew has always been part time for me. So I immensely sure. respect those who work full time. It's an intense and you know it's an intense and vital field, and they provide for the public. And so just to honor them, and then also to show readers okay. authentic EMS scenes. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So they get that. Yeah, yeah. So they get that authenticity and um, really kind of see what it's really
1: like. So now let's kind of um, get into the, the hardcore stuff here. Um, things that I don't know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners today don't either, is, you know, how how does one handle um, and respond to a medical emergency when there's somebody else involved that um, you need to try to take care of and there's anybody else around?
2: Excellent question.
1: Um, first of
2: all, is just don't panic, um, and I know that's hard to do because most people, when something happens, bad happens, they they jump.
1: Sure, you know, that's a kind of Common
2: reaction. Yeah, I mean that's a common uh-huh. reaction. So don't feel bad if you're one of those people because it's very common. Not very many people like me like want to jump forward to help out. It's it's just some yeah. part of our personality. So after you know you try not to panic, you take two, two breaths if you need to to calm down and kind of focus in there, and then you call nine one one. And then you follow everything they absolutely tell you and when they tell you to do it and how they tell you to do it. And don't hang up with them until they instruct you to because a lot of times they will be with you until EMS gets on scene. So they will be instructing Uh. you on an array of different things. So hang Mm -hmm. with them. They are the experts for you until we get there. And then if, if 911 is not available to call right there, like if you're at a lake or, you know, whatever, and someone doesn't have a cell phone with them or, you know, something like that situation, you yeah, or or a ca- car accident, or yeah, or exactly, car or you know, someplace yeah. you know where nobody has a phone. Send someone else to call nine one one while you focus on um, different things. And so the first thing you want to look for is the patient conscious or not. Um, so if mm-hmm. they're conscious, then you don't need to check for a pulse, obviously, because they're they're talking to you and they're conscious. Oh, okay. So, um, oh, okay. You, you, yeah, does that make sense? And then yes. um, if you if you if, but if they are. Conscious, but they're having you know respiratory issues, and then they stop breathing, but they still have a pulse. Oh. Kind of just give them you know two rescue breaths. They're not. It's not called mouth to mouth resuscitation anymore. It's just called rescue breath. So just think of it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And then now it's it's just if there's no if there's no pulse whatsoever, just do nonstop chest compressions. So you don't need to do chest compressions and then breathing and then chest compressions. You don't do that anymore. It's just the heart. Oh, really? American Heart. Yeah, American Heart Association came out a couple of years ago saying just do nonstop chest compressions because
1: if you can't get the heart going, it
2: doesn't really matter. You know. So there's now when don't you're doing time.
1: these when you're doing these chest compressions, where mm-hmm. do you place your hands? And how often do you press down on them?
2: Excellent question. You want to lock your hands together. So palm on palm, fingers threaded through fingers. And you okay. go down. Do you know what the sternum is on the chest? Sure. The sternum is your bone. Okay. And then you, you go down to the bottom of that sternum, but don't at the very bottom. Just a little bit, maybe a half inch or an inch up from that sternum. And then you press down kind of on the pad of that bottom palm of yours and you just press in with your elbows locked, and you just press mm-hmm. in, and you press in, and you press in, and you just keep on pressing, and you press in, you press in, you press in. I mean, it is a very st- strenuous thing. Kind of think of weightlifting, where mm-hmm. all of us on scene, the firefighters and the EMS crew, and they'll send out two or three EMS crews out to do this. You know, they'll just keep on calling people to help. And so we take turns doing it because it's so strenuous. And like I said earlier, we'll work the code for 45 minutes. So it's not possible for one person to get out before it, you, yeah. No. So we take turns helping each other um, so they're done correctly and, and you're not worn out. Because then if we're worn out, then we can't help people if we're not at our best. Um, huh. And then as far as controlling hemorrhaging, the first thing you want to do is just put your hand, direct, it's called direct pressure. So like if there's a gunshot wound in somebody's thigh, you just stick your palm right on top of it, right over it. And then you stick your oh other palm my gosh. Palm I mean, that's the oh, best wow. thing. To, yeah, to stick, it's called direct pressure. And then, of course, a, a compression bandage is the next best thing, and that's like, you know, wrapping towels or, you know, whatever you can mm-hmm. find as long as it's mm-hmm. absorbent. Just throw it on there and then put your hand right over it. So that's kind of the the best way to go. And anything, anything that can act like a towel or um, anything that can, can be absorbent in that way, and, um, you know, even like a bag, you know, I mean, just throw that on there, whatever, and just put your mm-hmm. hand right on there. Now, if a patient is like in respiratory distress, so they are breathing and they have pulse, but they're they're definitely struggling to breathe, have them sit kind of um, either in a chair with their legs, normal, and then far forward on their hands, so their, their, their palms are on their thighs and lean forward like that, that assists um, the, the respiratory system to have more of a clear um, pathway, so to speak, mm-hmm. and that gives mm-hmm. them a way to breathe a little bit easier. So kind of instruct them to do that. So that's uh, another tool to use because it, at some point there, if you're in respiratory distress the body can go just unconscious. And so to prevent that while the MS is getting there, while they're in route, um, that the person leans forward have, like you gotta have them
1: You've got to have them sitting up and leaning forward. Yeah. With up, their palms right. down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So like in a chair, but if there's no chair, then mm-hmm. just on the ground or on the floor, you know, just where they're sure. sitting where they can be leaning forward. Um and then once but the how would you how would you how would
1: you how would you know if though um I mean, if they had a back injury from an accident, mm-hmm. how would you know? Cuz if you move them um, yeah. oh, good you know.
2: question. Excellent question. Yeah, if if it's um, trauma, trauma. You're talking about trauma. Trauma and medical are two different things. So when we get called out, we know it's either trauma or medical. So you're talking about trauma, and um, in that case, if a person has been injured in a way that possibly their neck or back has been injured, you want to make sure they're lying flat on their back and they stay straight still, like they would be lying on a stretcher, kind of thing. And you want to hold their head.
1: I mean, if if they're conscious, they would know that, oh, I can't move. Well, think about it. I mean, if it, or not. I've been no, there's people that they they try to move and they're
2: panicked, you know, when it's when it's your emergency, mm-hmm. even when it's not your emergency, that adrenaline kicks in and you're panicked. And so you're kind Mm -hmm. of thrashing around. And if you do move and you do have a neck or or back injury, you can make it worse, essentially. So we Mm -hmm. need to have them lie still as they can on their back with, you know, legs out, you know, like a soldier kind of thing, laying down, Mm -hmm. and then hold their head. So put your palm on either side of their ears and kind of hold their head as still and instruct them, don't move, don't move, and try to be Mm -hmm. soothing and Mm -hmm. calm to them until we get there. And then once EMS does arrive, assist them if they ask. Otherwise, just stand out of their way, let them do their job, and while answering any questions that they ask you. And they may, you know, they're going to ask you, what did you, you know, mm-hmm. what happened? What did you see? They're going to, you know, "Does this person have any allergies? You know, Who, who's around here that knows them? What's, are they on any medication? You know, they'll just start spitting sure. out answers. Especially if the patient is unconscious. Obviously, they're going to, we're going to mm-hmm. need help with answering those questions. Mm-hmm. So, but it is a scary thing, and most people have never experienced it. Um, so you know they're gonna freak out a little bit, which is understandable. Of course. That happens. Of but course. You can kind of remember these things, um, and that was kind of before I got into you know and things. You know, you'd be out and about, and things that happen, and I've always wanted to jump in and, and always help. So I was like, hmm,
1: might as well do this as a job then. <laughs> Jeez. So it is
2: very, it is very interesting stuff.
1: Well, it's it's um, really good for your children. <laughs> with you having yes. that kind of knowledge,
2: yes, and it's been amazing just through. And one of my children does have has had some serious health issues, off and on, and so it's been great to be able to talk to the, the physicians in a way and be mm-hmm. able to use medical terms with me because they they know, so they know that I mm-hmm. know what's going on and um, the test results and things. It's been very helpful um, with that. And mm-hmm. my husband had head and neck cancer five years ago, so I was able to really grasped that oh my gosh yeah. oh
1: jeez yeah.
2: so it's it has been a a a very you, ha, wonderful you are journey. on a,
1: a journey huh yeah a big it journey. has been a
2: journey <laughs> absolutely <laughs> mm,
1: mm, life is mm. a journey for
2: us all isn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: all the all the life lessons we get to learn through through yeah um, learn from each other medical. right Mhm mm-hmm.
2: I do love the medical wow. field it is it's fascinating ever changing very challenging yeah.
1: and every patient Yeah is i so different. I do too yeah well every patient know, has body chemistry, and everyone's mm-hmm. body chemistry is different. that's why pharmaceuticals don't work on everyone
2: that's right, mm-hmm. and it works on it differently, and each patient changes too, you know, I mean, maybe one mm-hmm. year they would react mm-hmm. this way to a medication later on in life it would be different, so it is very fascinating and um. Yeah, you're helping people and so I I, I find that right. very rewarding work. And then I can implement it into
1: fiction. So it works out good. You can. Mm-hmm. You can. My goodness. How long does it take you to write a um one of your books? I write 400 Obviously you're not working on it full time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I I write four hundred page novels, so um and I write in depth page. detail oh, my and Yeah.
1: And oh, my um gosh.
2: so about nine to ten months from start to finish. And now you know I'm under And that's part time track, so well, no, I write more full time. I, I do EMS part time okay. and um Yeah okay. and then I write full time, yeah. Um but uh, once I became contracted it's in, you know, you have to finish a book in
1: mm-hmm.
2: nine to ten months. Where before, you know, I could do it in years and years and years, you know, that sort of thing. Mhm.
1: Mhm. Oh nothing more. I don't have that luxury anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and there's days where you get up and you just you know, nothing nothing yeah. comes to you. It's,
2: yeah, the creativity yeah. well is empty.
1: <laughs> huh. <dry>. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Or you didn't get a good night's sleep the night before mm-hmm. and you just So Yeah, yeah keep keeping yeah. that creativity flowing, um, I don't know what your secret is. Um,
2: my secret is I'm, I'm, I'm a big athlete. I love sports. Um, so when it, when the dry, when I find the well is dry, I'll go cycling, I'll go on a hike, I'll go running. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll play, you know, I'll do do some kind of sports with my, my husband or a friend or my children. And that does kind of spur on because those endorphins get kick in when you're doing sports. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of revs you up and you get home. and Um, so that's helpful. Um, and then also just I've learned over the years, I'm, I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist, but I've learned over the years to just give myself a break and that mm-hmm. if the writing isn't flowing and, and the well is dry, you know, it's okay. It's going to come back mm-hmm. because the more I push it, it just my muse more and more just says, I'm not coming out mm-hmm. at all ever if you're going to act like that and push us. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. It's
1: just like well, buries yeah. itself deeper. So I've learned... Yeah, well, you know... Uh, from one writer to another, a lot of times I would wake up at one or two in the morning with an idea.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I, I used to do that all the time before I was published. It, I'd have isn't that interesting? Ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's now it's um where I have to finish one. You know what I mean? I have to stick with one story.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um mm-hmm. But when I was little, I thought everybody. When I was in elementary school, I really did. I thought everyone wrote dialogue and scenes in their head. I, you know what I mean? You, you always think other people do when you're little. And so I found out that, yeah, I was asking people, what kind of dialogue do you write? And they're looking at me. What are you talking? Even the teachers like, what are you talking about? And, you know, and I was like, oh, wait, not everybody does this. So I kind of learned, hmm, maybe I'm a writer. So I just, uh, I just constantly writing scenes. Like something real will happen in my mind mm-hmm. just goes off and adds to the story. Does that make sense? Oh, <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah. And it's just it's like breathing to me. That just wow. literally happens. And opening scenes, I just have awesome. opening scene ideas all the time. And that's usually medical um that comes to mind or EMS scenes mm-hmm. or some kind of trauma or um obviously 'cause that stuff is very fascinating to me and I see it on the ambulance. So wow. it kind of works out.
1: That is really, really interesting. What's your um, What's been your biggest fear in uh, working in e- EMS besides possibly not being able to save a patient? You know? Yeah,
2: that's, that's a good one. Well, I've been working in EMS since 2005, so all these years, it's my biggest fear was contracting hepatitis C from a patient. Um, but now there's a solid treatment for Hep C, and it's going very well. So my second biggest fear moved up to number one, and that is being sneaky sneak attack by a bystander or the patient or a loved one of the patient and, for example, being gunned down. Um, because bolts do fly. I mean, even though we're told the scene is safe from dispatch, a lot of times that isn't the case. Just not because they messed up, but because the information they've given are wrong or the situation has changed. Um, so that is uh, that happens. And a lot of times we have to pull back. Um, or someone. I've had people where they just pull a knife out on you. Patients get deranged, especially if they're in a psychiatric episode um loved ones that you know hurt them <laughs> or bystanders they you know whatever reason they're drunk or um so those kind that's probably my number one is being you know oh my gosh deranged. yeah, yeah, and uh, it happens.
1: so what kind of what kind of training did they give you for that
2: well, number one is you know, dispatch is supposed to be there for us and take care of us. So they're supposed to be able to say, you know, if the scene is not safe, uh, law enforcement needs to clear it. So, and then hopefully law enforcement clears it and they're there and they can take care of that. But if things change like that, then it's up to us. So you have code words um, with your partner, and I certainly don't want to give anyone the code words that we use, (laughs) but um, there's code words that we can use with each other um, to indicate, I know something's wrong, we're in danger, we got to get out of here kind of thing. Uh, so you, you use code words with each other. And then also just self-defense moves. If someone mm-hmm. attacks you, you, you need
1: to know mm-hmm. how to
2: handle, handle it yourself. Sure. Hmm. That's yeah. a whole
1: other type of training, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it is. I always, you know, my uh, my RN friends and my MD friends, I'm just like, you know, you work in a controlled setting. You know what I mean? <laughs> a hospital or, a, you know, and mm-hmm. and we don't. I mean, we're in the, but, but that's part of the excitement and the reward of working in EMS, we are called out to whatever address, at whatever time of night or day, and to whatever situation. And there's no controlled setting, you know. A lot of times police will be there, but things can change on mm-hmm.
1: them too. Um, oh
2: so goodness. it is exciting. Yeah. It is no controlled setting. exciting and things... It is. It is.
1: You're, you're almost um, like heroes, Working, that's why I can you know, to the benefit honor. of other people.
2: Oh, absolutely, and that's why I honor you know full time crews, um, firefighters, and law enforc- law enforcers and EMS. We work together like a brave, mm-hmm. the three of us, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I just respect them and honor them. Um, and I'm hoping through my writing that I do that so people will read authentic scenes and really know what those three systems do, EMS, fire, and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really honor Because to me, those are our real heroes in the world. You know what I mean? Of course, control, of course. Uh, yes, those are the real heroes. I and mean, we're just, you know, I feel like I'm just an entertainer, you know. Um, those mm-hmm. are the real heroes. So I hope that that's what I can portray in my writing and the message that it sends out.
1: Listeners, if you're just tuning in now, we're talking with Diana T. Benson about how to respond to a medical emergency. She's also the author of numerous books, One's The Hidden Sun and another one, The Final Trimester. What? Um, tell me, what's it really like um, when you have to work a gunshot wound patient? Um you know, we see on television where they're always just like rushed to to the emergency rooms. But it sounds like you're going to have to do a whole lot more than that before they even get there. What do you do for for that situation? You can't take the you can't remove the bullet, correct? Well, you can only stabilize pretty, the patient. Well, if it's
2: pretty near the surface or half out, we can. It depends.
0: Oh, it depends
2: on where it is. If, if if an artery is involved and then been hit, then that's squirting blood. Oh. You want oh, to leave bad. the bullet in because part of it or all of it is acting as um, a plug. Um, mm-hmm. So you want you mm-hmm. may want to leave that in. So it depends. Like we were talking earlier how every patient is different. Well, every situation sure. is very different. Um, but unlike you see in the movies, interesting enough, a lot of gunshot wounds or most gunshot wounds do not bleed heavily at all. I know really? that sounds, yeah, it really sounds surprising, but it is. Um, it just is it because it's hold. internal bleeding instead? Is well, that's inter- right. Internal that's exactly bleeding right. Instead? That's exactly right. And think of it as the bullet has entered, so now it's kind of like plugging it up. Does that make sense? It's kind of okay. it's plugging the hole. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it it there really isn't a lot of hemorrhaging that goes on right there. But sometimes there uh, is. It depends. I mean, if it has, it depends on the, the caliber of the weapon. So, like a huge shotgun, and it's blown, you know, a portion of the leg off. Obviously, that's going to be different. Um, but a small caliber weapon, which most guns are, like you know, 45 calibers and mm-hmm. you know, 38 and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, it's going to be a very small hole, and the bullet's going to be right there. And even if it did go in and explode, it still kind of acts as a plug. So anyway, there isn't a lot of hemorrhaging that goes on. So you, you know what I, find, yeah. what, I find, what I find first.
1: Yeah. What I find what I find possibly um, not very authentic in you know TV shows and movies is when somebody um, is injured you know through a gunshot um, they like die immediately. <laughs> well, that can happen. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it depends. It can. It depends on when that bullet in the really, body. Oh, it yeah. really can happen. Because oh, oh, I, yeah. I was just That's like, it se- seems to me it would take a while because, you know. Well, I mean, maybe unless it's if it's someone's shot in the head,
2: you know, they're yeah. just going go unconscious right away. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, if you go over to them, you, you know, you may think they're dead and they, you know, may not be. I mean, it mm-hmm. depends. Every, every situation is very different. Um, every mm-hmm. gunshot wound is different. It depends on, like I said, the caliber of the weapon it depends mm-hmm. on also where it hit in the body and then mm-hmm. what it does to the body once it enters it. Does some if it explodes, does it what does it hit organs, does it what kind of damages it? it? it it depends. It really, really depends. So that's our job is mm-hmm. assessment. Um can be the toughest yeah. thing is when we get on scene assessing that patient. Finding you. I mean we'll get the we'll get we'll be dispatched out, you know, gunshot wound and then the address and we get there. Um, you know, scene is safe, but we get there and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the scene isn't safe. They're trying to deal with mm-hmm. the perpetrator who's got the gun and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. police aren't there yet or, or whatever and the patient's bleeding. And um, mm-hmm. so you, But after the police have the, the scene controlled and under their control, then we can focus on the patient and, um, you know, you just want to focus on assessment. Okay, where did the bullet go? What's going on? And for EMS, mm-hmm. our focus is the ABC. And ABC means... Um, airway so meaning that's number one are they breathing um, B is is bleeding so what kind of bleeding do I need to control any bleeding anywhere and then 3 is circulation do they have, are they circulating well is their heart um, pumping efficiently enough so those are the things that we focus on um, but yeah a lot of times a patient we get there and they've already expired or, or have gone um, by the time Jeez. we get yeah, there but that, that, that it just seems, still, yeah still it just to seems hard to, to believe up.
1: that you know Something that small could take somebody out just instantaneously. I uh, know. Um, that's what yeah. what's it, hard to believe.
2: Well, if I mean, you I think guess about if this, if, like, it,
1: if it goes into the heart, you know, just and stop say, just it stops it. I understand.
2: Right, because then it it can stop everything, sure. and then breathing from that's there, it. and then yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's but possible.
2: You know, it's possible. There's so but, many
1: places in the body. You know.
2: Yes, yeah. and you know, bleeding out. It's kind of the number one thing um, with gunpowder. Oh, yeah, I mean, or internally, it just depends. It's, like I said, the caliber of the mm-hmm. weapon is going to be, you know, your biggest question. You know, that's going to be the biggest factor in um, bleeding out and internal damage and, and essentially saving that patient or not. Yeah.
1: Do Do you find um, working trauma calls or medical calls more interesting?
2: I don't like the trauma calls. I I do. Um, I mean, you know, hands down. I just think it's it's there's more excitement to it. I mean, I love motor vehicle collision. I know that sounds completely odd, but mm-hmm. what I mean by love them is is I I love to help. That's what I mean. Yeah. When people are yeah. faced in a, a a terrible situation, I want to help them. So they're mm-hmm. just more interesting along the side of the road or on a highway or. Or um, someone has fallen at work from a you know high height, or um, a drowning. Gotcha. You know, they just they're, yeah, they're just. Yeah. I think they're just more interesting, um, just kind of more exciting than the medical calls. The medical calls are and and, and, and not as
1: ja- and as not as dangerous for you either. Mm, there you go. For know. you there's personally, part of
2: it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. there's Another part of it. Yeah. So yeah, because uh-huh. medical calls are more like you know chest, uh, chest. Uh, Problems with breathing, or a cardiac call, or um, you know, sugar diabetes, or something where you mm-hmm. know, a medical call. Mm-hmm. So, so I just, but everyone's different. One of the one of my, one of my uh, chiefs that I worked a call with, when he before he was a chief, he likes medical call because he likes it to solve a puzzle. He likes to get on scene. Uh-huh. And say, okay, what's going on? What are your
1: symptoms? What what happened before? He
2: likes that puzzle to solve
1: so every mm-hmm. everyone is different interesting well <laughs> in all the years that you've been doing this what's been your toughest one i mean obviously if somebody um, is deceased that's pretty traumatic but there must probably be something else that's been tough
2: i think the kid calls are tough you know when they involve the uh, child especially yeah. if um if you suspect that the parents injured them, or and um, I'll be on, I'll be straight up with you. You know the, I know mm-hmm. the news wants us to make make us think that, or not make us think that, but they kind of portray that there's always these ominous strangers all over the world ready to jump out and hurt us, especially our kids. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just silly mm-hmm. because 99.9 percent of the time when someone has hurt or killed or kidnapped, it's by someone they were supposed to be able to trust. You know, a family member, a neighbor,
1: mm-hmm. a good friend, a yeah. coach
2: you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I think those are, are hard. Or, you know, getting unseen and, like, domestic violence or abuse. And that sure. Kind of thing. And, you know, we're looking for the husband. We're looking for, you know, we're looking for family members. Yeah. We're looking, yeah. yeah. And that's, I've never, uh, I have to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever been on a call where it's been like, let's see, let's look at this, what about these ominous strangers, you know? <laughs> It's, um, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, it's a tough call when you know it's yeah. a family member, it's hard. It's hard to see I, the family drama sure. unfold.
1: It's Sure, especially you know, when you have children yourself, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like, um, my heart wrenches when I, I see an animal that's abused. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I hand it to you to be able to deal with that. Yeah. That's a it's special courage and strength.
2: Yeah. Very courageous. Really,
1: you do very courageous work.
2: Oh, like I said, I, I don't feel like way I'm just part-time. Um, mm-hmm. So I just really have respect for people that do it full-time. They have my utmost respect, and I just really want to honor them through my writing. hmm hmm
1: Yeah, well... I think you're doing a good job of that too. You know, you really are.
2: Oh well, thank you. That's sweet of you.
1: Um, you know, I I think probably one of the uh, the biggest accidents, um, you know, percentage wise, is probably car accidents. Um, you know, it's yeah. flying. Flying is safer than driving cars. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I don't know how many lives annually are lost through car accidents. I don't have a clue, but um, you know, just the scenes you see on some of the television shows are just horrendous when it comes to car accidents. I would think um, you you probably aren't called out on those too often because those are generally handled by paramedics, correct? Well, no, through the I fire department. No, no,
2: no. Um, I the different paramedics are EMTs as well. So right. I have the same training I'm uh, as they do. They just can do more things than I can. But I work uh-huh. with them. So my partners are paramedics. Does that
1: okay. that sense? O- oh okay. So yeah,
2: no. no. I'm yeah, no, we're all, I'm call I'm on a crew that works with I'm on Way County EMS and so oh. we work all calls. Yeah.
1: Absolutely oh, no, okay. motor vehicle no collisions are definitely between. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Motor vehicle collisions are definitely something that we work all the time. And if oh you gosh. happen to know do you happen to know why? This is an interesting question. You may know it, but why are seatbelts, um, you have to wear them by law? I know, so it's sounds a trick um, question.
1: Yeah. Why well, are they... Because, so you're not expelled from the vehicles during collisions. Right.
2: Right, exactly. But it's not just to, to protect the patient, to, to protect the, the passenger, because if you think oh. about it, it, yeah, I know, see, exactly, take it a step further, because if you think about it, you're like, how can someone regulate what I do? I mean, it's my life. I should be able to decide if I can wear a seatbelt or not, right, is kind of what you think, uh-huh. because I've heard a lot of people say that. But it's both, if you take a step further, and think of a, of a body that's been like, expelled out of the vehicle. They become kind of a weapon, like a bullet. Oh, be- oh my gosh. See, think about, yeah, so think about that. So think about, like, you're on the highway, and you're driving 70 miles an hour, like we do nowadays on the highways. And a body, yeah, and so they've stopped. So think of kinetic energy. So when a car stops because it's hit another car, that car's kinetic energy has stopped. It's like the brake. But our bodies don't have an internal brake, so our bodies keep on moving. So that's why we, our bodies can go out the windshield. We're expelled throughout the car. And so now our body's still going 70 miles an hour, if that makes sense. And we're going to hit something, so we could fly into another car, or you know. So now we become like come become like a weapon, and now we're going to hurt somebody else. So it's not only to protect that passenger from not leaving the vehicle, because obviously when we get thrown out of the car, we're going to get hurt a lot worse. But it's also to know we won't hurt anyone else, and co- and then when we hit a car, now we've caused them to swerve around and cause them into an accident. So um, it's to protect others as well. Oh, Interesting. That's huh?
1: It, yeah, it is. Yeah. I never really thought about, you mm-hmm. know, somebody leaving their vehicle in an accident. You just don't yeah, think that me. way.
2: Yeah, and think about it. Now they become, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 150 pounds or 120 pounds. Through
1: the windshield. Pounds. That's oh, right. Flying gosh.
2: 70 miles an hour would become a weapon, oh, you know, essentially. Oh. So, yeah. So that's oh, what my that's goodness. about.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I I never ever thought of it in those terms of you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: responding to a car accident and seeing you know people ejected out of the cars. I always think of them as yeah. you know they're stuck in the cars or the cars mm-hmm. are crushed, they can't get out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I happens
2: know. too. It's I mean I had
1: imp- I have a really good girlfriend. She lost her daughter when she was eighteen from a she was just driving alone. You know. Yeah. Yeah. She lost her daughter, um, and it wasn't pretty. It's tough. No, it's tough. And she was wearing it, a seatbelt, you know.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it can be just really tough. I mean, that's that one second when you when you collide with something else. And like I said, the speed is mm-hmm. always um, intersections are the worst, um, most common yeah. accidents, severe as far as severe, because you know you're going mm-hmm. different directions, that kind of thing. And the next is highway. A lot of times you don't, but there's yeah. not a lot of crashes on highways, but when you do crash, it's so severe, and it's because of the speed.
1: Not good. Yeah. But you don't crash yeah. as
2: often because there's not a lot of cars bunched up like there is on the uh-huh. road, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yes. Well, one of these days we're going to have cars that drive themselves. That'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they fail,
2: then we'll cry. <laughs> It's uh, always something, right? I yeah. think that you were talking about the most interesting stuff. Um, I think a lot of interesting stuff is when I run into people I know on a call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's oh, something my goodness. like they wouldn't, yeah, like they wouldn't want me to know about this information instead of like a car oh. accident or you get what I'm saying. They wouldn't want me to know about what's going on because they would be embarrassed okay. or mortified. Yeah. Um, yeah. For example how I handle it is, is when I get on scene, I just pretend I don't know them. And whether how close oh. I am to them or not, I just simply pretend I'm EMT Benson. And that's it.
1: Oh, I'm wow. not
2: I'm not their neighbor, I'm not their friend, I'm not I just pretend I don't know who they are. And they, Does play, that along that. No, oh, they, they play
1: along with them. No, they play
2: along with it and they're very thankful. <laughs> they are oh. very thankful. Because think about it, if it's something that somebody doesn't want to know, like an abuse case or attempted suicide. Oh, oh sure. of
1: yes, course. Of they don't want in those cases. So, yeah,
2: yeah. So I just, unless they say, "Oh, Diana, you know that kind of thing," I'm that's how I'm going to play. Oh, <laughs> well, hi, Diana. I just tried to kill yeah. myself. It didn't work. How are
1: you today? <laughs> right,
2: right. So unless they are okay with that, I just pretend I don't know. And then after the call's over, and I see them again. Uh-huh. I pretend I I wasn't I wasn't the one on the call. You were you were
1: never there. <laughs>
2: yep, that's right.
1: Oh and then my again, gosh. they're
2: so appreciative of it. And it's just a professional yeah. way of, of doing that. It's a, it's sure. It's the way to, to tell them, "Look, I'm a professional and um not your secrets safe with me, but um confidentiality yeah. is is, is strict here."
1: Well, so, yeah, yeah, especially now with HIPAA and everything.
2: Yeah. You, know, absolutely. you really legally absolutely. can't
1: can't no. discuss it anyway
2: no, no. so I, oh, I, I, I
1: take off oh my, my chat
2: and pretend I'm just oh hey how's it going you know <laughs> I see you two weeks ago on that nah nah <laughs> oh. <laughs> but the very first call oh I ever God. ran um uh-huh. I was fresh out of medic school and I was uh with a paramedic it was working with my partner was a paramedic because all my partners are always paramedics and they they're they're teamed up with EMTs Does that makes sense Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he told me first thing he told me was, you know, it's not our emergency. So that helps me relax. And ever since then, I sure. that. I'm like, okay, the blood starts pumping. I'm like, but it's not my emergency, so I'm gonna just. Mm-hmm. It helps you to be able to be at your best to help whatever's going on. So the mm-hmm. we get dispatched out seven thirty in the morning, and it's an attempted suicide. And oh. just I guess, my very first call at 730- seven <laughs> thirty. It was really... I didn't even wake. She just was just like, yeah, wow. And just, I guess the amount of blood was it, just everything. But then also counseling his estranged wife when she got there and um, kind of counseling her at the, at the hospital when we got there. But then I actually saw him a couple weeks later somewhere and I didn't know what to do. They didn't teach you that stuff in medic school, you know. <laughs> they don't teach you, okay, well, now if you happen to see a patient later on, that was never
1: discussed.
2: So I happened to see him somewhere, and I just decided to react like I didn't know him, and that's what I did. So, and he kind of played along, mm-hmm. and yeah, that mm-hmm. was. and he he just looked so grateful for that. So oh. that's how I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was interesting.
1: uh-. Oh.
2: So, yeah, your heart goes out to people. And so you just focus on, okay, this is not sure. my, this is me. And so the emotions kind of subside. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. this isn't somebody I know. You know, it isn't my daughter. It isn't um, my husband. You know, and your emotions right. kind of subside. And then you can dig in and focus in on them and
1: how you can help them. Well, we're almost out of time. This interview has gone very quickly, it's just been fascinating. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure everybody... I know. It's really been very special. Um, Listeners, again, Diana T. Benson, and she's the author of numerous books. Diana, where can our listeners purchase your books?
2: My books are available um, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Um, The best place is to go to my website, with W dot Diana D I A N N A T like Tom Benson dot mm-hmm. com. And then um you can go from there. But if you go on Amazon and just type in the hidden sun or final trimester or Persephone's fugitive, my three books, those will pop up that way. Or books uh Barnes and Noble or Books a Million, um and also um, if if you're interested in book trailers, I absolutely love book trailers cause it's it's like a you know, the movie trailers that we see, the previews. It is. There's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's something like book trailers. And so, um I love my book trailers. My publisher did a great job on them. So if you want to get a visual of what my books would be oh, like. good. Yeah, take a look at the book trailers and they're um they're available on YouTube and of course on my website. So those are kind oh, of fun. You know, wonderful.
1: With books wonderful. You don't get the visual. So yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, my book has that too. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. We'll have to have you back. Well,
2: thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed our time together. You asked uh, great questions.
1: You're a good interviewer. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Take care. Have a wonderful. You too. Have continue wonderful your wonderful evening. work. Okay. Oh, no, thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, listeners, that concludes our interview for today. Join us again next week. We'll have another wonderful guest for you. And if you weren't able to hear our entire interview, this will go into iTunes, and you can listen to it at your leisure. It's also going to be on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye.